everyone. Thanks for listening to The Maddie Miller Show. I have on a really, really great guest today. I am joined by Torin Scott, who currently serves as the lead pastor at the local church in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And today he's going to walk us through his life journey that led him to going to seminary, getting his PhD, and eventually planting the local church. Uh, Torin, thanks so much for coming on the show and kind of being a last-minute guest. Oh, yeah. No, it's actually the pleasure's all mine. Super excited and can I just say, too, that the Maddie Miller show is actually, like, it sounds very Hollywood. Thank so I, you. I, I really like it. I try. I try. I actually, fun fact, my podcast, when I first started, it was called Tacos on Tuesday. And then I changed it. So it is funny that, like, I do like this name better, but my roots are in Tacos on Tuesday. Hey, there's no shame in that at all. <laughs> um, so how we knew, how we kind of got connected and know each other is actually my sister has been um, a member of your church ever since she moved to Grand Rapids, and she has n- said nothing but great things about your church and you guys, you and Brenda, your wife. So I'm really excited to have you on today. Uh, thank you, thank you. I love your sister, your brother-in-law. Yeah, and their gorgeous little baby. Yes, girl Milo, well. she's great. No doubt, no doubt. Yeah. So I always have all of my guests say. Um, start out with a fun fact. So let's hear your fun fact. Yeah. Uh, So fun fact, um, I got a couple. Okay. Uh, So used to train police dogs. Oh my gosh. So that's not something that people do all the time. Yeah, that's awesome. I had a a number of dogs myself that I would train and then they would go off to either uh, homes for personal protection or uh, police departments or uh, help out um, with some police departments in the area. And uh, I'm often the guy that gets in the suit and gets bit by these dogs. And that's also oh very my gosh. Uh, interesting and intense. And other fun fact is I can do the entire story of Jonah with balloons. So Wow. That is day, a fun fact. One day, if you ask really yeah. nicely, okay. maybe I'll show you yeah. the story of Jonah with balloon with animals. With balloon animals. That is really cool. <laughs> um, were all the dogs mostly German shepherds? Or can you tra- can any dog breed be uh, a place Great dog? question. Uh, it depends on what the dog is being used for. Okay. There's, okay. This is getting way deeper than any of your listeners probably <laughs> yeah. care to hear. But you have single-purpose dogs and dual-purpose dogs. Single-purpose okay. dogs are usually uh, um, tracking dogs or dogs mm-hmm. that they're using for, like, sniffing drugs or things like yeah. that, bombs. Okay. Um, and those dogs can be almost anything. Uh, yeah. But dual-purpose dogs, which also do protection or, um, you know, apprehension, yeah. um, the bite work side, those are usually either German Shepherds or Belgian Malinois. Okay. So, That's cool. That's yeah. really cool. Our dog at home is like a half German Shepherd, half Rottweiler. Oh, so yeah. you'd think he'd be like a super tough dog, but he's actually just a big baby. <laughs> so <laughs> shout out to Oliver. <laughs> we thought he'd be more of like a protection, but he's literally scared of like everything so <laughs> it's just funny. on the chihuahua and they'll, yeah you know, they'll be they'll bring the they'll bring the muscle <laughs> yeah exactly okay so we're gonna um step right into it so i would love for you to just start off telling us a little bit about your childhood where you grew up um your kind of family life and um did you grow up in a christian home and what were kind of some of your early career aspirations oh yeah so all of those kind of things yeah yeah, yeah. um so yeah when i was a little kid uh Grew up in Chicago until about fourth grade. Then when I was in fourth grade, uh, my folks moved um, to Flint, Michigan. So grew up most of my life in Flint and not suburbs like legit Flint, Flint. Both my, well, all three, my elementary school, my middle school, my high school are all boarded shut and um, 
yeah, just sad. So I grew up in, in Flint in the 80s. Okay. Um, and early 90s. And, and uh, Flint was a, uh, it was a rough place to grow up, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, had great parents. Mm-hmm. Um, not perfect, but um, yeah. loved me. And uh, I did grow up going to church. Um, I'm the oldest of uh, 16. Wow. Uh, wow. Actually, so um, that's that's true, and but it doesn't tell. The, so I'm the oldest of nine, is what I would normally say, mm-hmm. um, because in the family that I grew up in, um, I was the oldest of nine. So six adopted brothers and sisters, yeah. uh, 130 some foster brothers and sisters over the years from mm-hmm. when we lived in Chicago, and then through yeah. uh, all my time growing up in Flint. My uh, my folks split up after 29 years of marriage. Uh, about three years later, my mom uh, had moved over to, to this side of the state where, where my wife and I were living in Grand Rapids. And my mom wound up uh, meeting guy, remarried. She continued to foster and adopt um, kids with special needs. So that's why I'm actually the oldest of 16, but the family yeah. I grew up in, I was the oldest of nine. Okay. And uh, have a, a biological sister uh, and a, a bio brother. Um, and then uh, six adopted brothers and sisters, mm-hmm. and uh, um, a very diverse family, um, yeah. diverse in all kinds of ways. Yeah. Um, ethnic diversity, uh, or I should say, probably not ethnic, racial diversity, mm-hmm. um, as well as a lot of uh, neurodiversity, a lot of kids with um, some of my younger brothers and sisters had special, um, pretty profound special needs. Yeah. Okay. Um, so uh, we often had nurses that were uh, at the house 12 hours a day, okay. um, had two brothers and a sister that were all uh, needed pretty much round the care, uh, met round the clock medical care. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, uh, I, I loved my life though, loved yeah. uh, the, the family that I grew up with. Mm-hmm. Um, it's led to uh, some amazing, amazing, just beautiful uh, stories and pictures of God's love and grace and His yeah. restoration and redemption. Um, it's been some hard stuff too, mm-hmm. um, uh, some ment- mental health uh, struggles in, in in a couple of my uh, one of my brothers and one of my sisters. Um, yeah, it, it, it was yeah. A, a very interesting, but for me, amazing. Um, family to grow up in. I just yeah. God used it in so many uh, really cool ways. That's so, awesome. yeah, when I was off at college, went to a school down in Ohio, um, where you're from. Yes, <laughs> uh, Cedarville, back yeah. in the, the the early '90s. And uh, um, when I was in school, uh, my folks wound up moving down to the Detroit area, and so okay. I never really came back to Flint. Um, okay. Kind of after you know a couple summers there, and then mm-hmm. uh, when I was home in between college, but. Um, yeah, so I, I don't really ever get back there, mm-hmm. uh, but it's my roots. It's, it's, yeah. you know, it's kind of where I, where I grew up in a lot of formation, um, that happened of course, during those times of kind of late, yeah. you know, uh, elementary all the way up through high school and, uh, public school kid up until my junior and senior year of high school. Okay. Um, uh, Flint public schools was not great. In a lot of different ways, socially, mm-hmm. academically, yeah. um, uh, there was some great people there and mm-hmm. some great teachers and, and, and staff. Just a hard, hard place to do ministry or yeah. to do to do education, I think. Yeah. Um, and so my parents let me transfer to uh, this little Christian school, 
because um, there was a girl there that I liked. <laughs> <laughs> uh, ulterior motives. Yeah. Uh, but it was also fun because yeah. uh, I went from uh, a high school that had around, uh, I think it was like 3,500 students, something like uh -huh. that, to my graduating class uh, was like 35. Wow. So uh, I played sports cool. uh, my freshman and sophomore year at Flint Northern. Um, but then when I transferred to this little tiny school uh, called Genesee Christian, if you could like chew gum and walk in a straight line, you were considered an elite <laughs> yeah. athlete. So, <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, so I, I really enjoyed my time there. God yeah. used it to do some uh, some work in my life at the time. Um, yeah. But that's, yeah. Did I, did I, I don't yeah. know what else I was supposed to say. Yeah, that's that great. No, yeah. That's great. So um, you mentioned a little bit that you went to Cedarville. So yeah. when you were kind of preparing to go to college and stuff, what, what were you thinking as far as um, what you wanted to major in? What was kind of those early career aspirations? And yeah. then what did you major in, in at Cedarville? Mm-hmm. So, it's, it's interesting. I, I got serious about my faith um, when I was uh, really a sophomore in high school when I was at Flint Northern. Um, the girl that I mentioned yeah. <laughs> uh, um, played a bit of a role in that. Um, I, I grew up around the church. Both of mm -hmm. my grandfathers are actually pastors. Okay. But I didn't grow up around either of my grandfathers. And okay. so, I never even thought that that was like, a thing you could do as a job yeah. like it never even dawned on me yeah. um but yeah around uh 15 16 years old uh sophomore flint northern and uh i was talking to this this girl um she wasn't from the area she was about 25 minutes away um and i remember talking to her on the phone and i swore oh. i swore all the time i mean like uh -huh. I, if you'd, I went to church i did the youth group thing but i had zero genuine relationship with Jesus. Yeah. A lot of head knowledge, but, mm -hmm. uh, and I wasn't faking it. I mean, if you'd have hung out with me, that's just how I, uh, every, yeah, yeah, it wasn't hard to find. I mean, yeah. I didn't swear around my parents because I got, you know, <laughs> uh, in trouble, but so I swear on the phone with her and, and she's uh, taken aback and almost offended. And I was like, what weirdness is yeah. this? Uh, <laughs> but I realized she had an actual relationship with Jesus and it mm -hmm. made a difference in how she acted and lived, and I started asking some questions. Uh, I also had a youth pastor that was starting to uh, invest in my life at that time, mm -hmm. and I just started saying, man, Lord, like, I call myself a Christian. Does it, shouldn't it probably matter how I live, how I act, how I talk, how I, so that was a, I, I always tell people, like, I don't know how to describe, it wasn't a moment, it was, it was over the course of a couple of months, but Jesus just captured my heart. Mm -hmm. like I, I just legit fell in love with Jesus, and I, I couldn't get enough of him. And um, it changed uh, how I acted at school. It changed how I acted at church. Uh, so I, though, never thought that being a pastor was like a legit job. Like I didn't, you know, mm -hmm. even though I had a pastor, you know, yeah. and I even had a youth pastor, <laughs> I just didn't realize that that was something you could do. I yeah. don't know why. So my dad was a teacher. I thought maybe I'll be a teacher. Mm -hmm. um, it's funny. I always thought like, oh, I would be, uh, maybe I would be a policeman. Mm -hmm. um, it's funny that I wound up working with police dogs yeah. you know, decades later. Uh, yeah, those kind of what I was thinking. Uh, okay. My girlfriend, mm -hmm. she thought she wanted to marry a businessman. So what mm -hmm. I decided yeah. after I graduated uh, high school, I was like, well, I, I guess I'll go into business. Yeah. So went to a community college for a semester. Okay. Uh, my girlfriend went to a school down in uh, Tennessee 
and within the first week she dumped me and wow. I was like wrecked, heartbroken, yeah. sobbing, legit. Like, oh, that's was, the worst. <laughs> uh, yeah. So it it was in that moment, but it was actually the absolute best because yeah. she had been an idol for me, and okay. I didn't realize it. Yep. Um, I told God that well, she wanted to marry a businessman, so I'll be a businessman. Never thought to ask God. Yeah. So um, God's like, yeah, I, I need you to be putting your, you know, if your mm-hmm. my your foundation needs to be me, Torin. Yeah. Not, not some girl. So. Um, that's when I thought to myself, you know what? There's nothing I like doing more than learning about God's word, mm-hmm. which sounds kind of weird and strange for like an 18 year old kid to say maybe, but <laughs> I just had fallen in love with Jesus. Like that's, I don't know how else to describe it. And I was like, I, I love this. And uh, I love talking to people about what Jesus had done in my life. Like mm-hmm. you couldn't shut me up and not in like, I wasn't like a, you know, like wearing a sandwich board, walking around, you know, telling people they're going to hell or something. It was just, yeah. I'm, I like having fun, and Jesus had taken over, and I was, I, yeah, I just want to talk about him. Like, yeah. it was just, that's so, awesome. th- I, that's how I kind of wound up at Cedarville. It was an accident. Yeah. Okay, uh, an accident. Yeah, I I, I, uh, I had my life planned. I was going to go to community college for mm-hmm. uh, a year, then I was going to transfer down to where my girlfriend was going, as this Christian school, Yeah. and I was going to uh, play soccer, and I was going to... Um, we were going to get married and, you know, that was going to, well, then I couldn't go to that school anymore, um, which was a great thing. I'm so glad that God (laughs) rescued me from that. Uh, so then I was looking at a a school in Indiana. They thought I was going to come there. Mm -hmm. The, my dad said, Hey, um, you should check out the school called Cedarville. Mm -hmm. Uh, my dad was not initially super excited about me deciding to become a Bible major. Okay. He grew up with a dad who was a pastor, but was always bivocational and was really pretty hard on the family, to be honest. Okay. Um, and so the idea of me being potentially being a pastor was not something he was, he's super proud of me now, but I think at the time he's like, hey, that's nice. You can study the Bible, but then also get a real, you know, get a real degree so you can get a real job too. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went down, uh, long story short, he told me, he tells me about Cedarville, never been, Mm-hmm. Um, I think I had filled out an application for them uh, between my junior and senior year, but I was not a very good student uh, just because my dad, I didn't know, I didn't even know what I wanted to do or where I wanted to yeah. go. So he's like, well, fill it out here. So um, I did. And uh, I remember getting an acceptance letter from them because I was like, a, <laughs> I think I graduated high school with like a 2.4, something like that. Not, yeah. not, just enough so that I could play sports. That's all I cared about. Yeah. Um, so they had sent me a, a letter. I did well on my ACT score, mm-hmm. and but I had a terrible GPA. But I was involved in a bunch of stuff. Mm-hmm. So they sent me a letter saying, um, we're so excited to uh, accept you. Uh, congratulations, you've been accepted. And then the next line, and I kid you not, I <laughs> wish I still had the letter, said, while you're not the caliber of student we normally accept. <laughs> oh, my gosh, <laughs> really? Know, know, like, how is this in a... Wow, uh, um, I can't believe a college I, would send right? that. <laughs> So I was like, screw you, I'm not, you know, yeah. like, you, are, you know, uh, but anyway, um, because I had been accepted previously, uh, my dad's like, why don't you ask him again? Okay. So this was like in between like fall and winter semester, mm-hmm. um, they wrote back and said, I had done well my first semester at, at this community college. Okay. And so like, Hey, uh, we'd love to offer you acceptance again, but we don't have any space. So um, we'll put you on a wait list. So I was like, well, okay, that's okay. not happening. I'm going to this college in India. Yeah. Um, the Cedarville started school a week before that college did. 
the day after classes started, they called and said, somebody's not coming back. We've got an extra bed. Would you like it? Uh, we said, yes, this was Monday. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to pack my stuff that afternoon and evening. And we left uh, at like four in the morning and drove down and I showed up on Tuesday morning and I had to figure out, I didn't have any idea what I wanted to study. Yeah. So I was like, well, can I take some Bible classes? And uh, my dad wants me to have a real degree. So I don't know, maybe nursing. I had no idea. I was like, well, I, you know, <laughs> male nurses weren't uh, talked about as much at the yeah. time. And you, I, I heard that if you're a male and you're a nurse, you could get a job. Yeah. So I was like, well, I guess I'll do that. And they're like, okay. oh yeah, that would be great. We've got a great nursing program. Da, 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 da. Um, it'll take you with a Bible, with a with a, a full Bible degree, double majoring. It'll take you about six and a half years to graduate. <laughs> I was like, that's a long time. I was like, all right, uh, let's just do the Bible thing then. So yeah. uh, I was a, a nursing major for about five minutes, and uh, that was it. Um, that's awesome. And that's kind of how I wound up uh, majoring in Bible. It's just like this is. Yeah. I just loved wanting to know more about God's Word and yeah. what it meant and how somebody would live it and. Yeah. So that's kind of how I wound up. And, and through yeah. that time, I, there was a sense of calling, too. It was not like mm-hmm. a moment at a camp or anything like that. It was yeah. just I saw the impact I had on my younger brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. I saw the impact that I had on, on peers and opportunities that God just kind of gave me that were seemed really random to me at the time. But yeah. just a sense of calling, like, hey, I, I've, I've made you for this. Yeah, that's and awesome. Yeah, I still... Uh, I've been doing ministry now for over 25 years. I still can't believe I get to do it. I still feel like I won the lottery. Yeah. Every job is, is, is my favorite job. My first mm-hmm. job was my favorite job. My next job was my favorite job. This yeah. job now is my favorite job. So Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, speaking it. of your first job, yeah. so you graduate Cedarville with a Bible degree. Yes. What, what do you and do? only a Bible degree. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do you do right out of college? What, what was your plan and what did you end up doing? Yeah. So... I, I still wasn't a very good student, and it wasn't that I was dumb or anything like that. I just, I didn't, I, 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 I'm a, I don't know if any of your listeners are into the Enneagram, or if you are at all, but <laughs> yeah. I'm an Enneagram 7. I love okay. having fun, yep. new adventures, uh, so I, I literally almost flunked out of Cedarville um, okay. after my freshman year. I'm probably mm-hmm. one of the few pastors in, uh, in America that literally flunked New Testament and the Christian life. Two different classes. <laughs> Uh, had to take both of them over a second time. Yeah. Um, but uh, started to figure it out my junior and senior year and started to do a little bit better. Yeah. Uh, so when I graduated, um, I knew of this church in Akron, Ohio, which is about mm-hmm. three hours from, uh, two and a half hours from Cedarville's campus. It's a, a large church up there that had um, a residency program that if you were a college graduate and uh, they liked you and accepted you into the program, they would pay for your seminary. Wow. And you would work there for three years. And so I was like, that would be amazing because I didn't really know what I was going to do. I had no idea how to find a job or, you know, like, how does that even work? I mean, I guess I feel like probably a lot of college students just getting out are like, how do you do this? Yeah, yeah. So uh, I knew a guy, he had been uh, the chaplain um, the student body chaplain at Cedarville his okay. senior year and he was a year ahead of me mm-hmm. and he was like everybody looked up to him I did I thought this dude's so cool and awesome and he got this like I was like how that would be amazing so on a whim I just sent him a letter and said yeah could you know is it could I apply for this and mm-hmm. so they sent me an application I filled it out um, 
my GPA probably wasn't a huge help, uh, <laughs> but um, when I started talking about my love for Jesus and why I want to do what I, you know, uh, why, why I would like to be a youth pastor and talked a little bit about my family and mm-hmm. um, they, they took a, a, a risk on me and I uh, moved up to, to Akron, Ohio and worked at this church called The Chapel. Okay. And uh, they, they were, because um, this is back in like the mid 90s now, uh, mid to late 90s, and mm-hmm. they were at the front end of kind of uh, distance learning. So they would fly in professors on the weekends, and we'd have like Friday night and all day Saturday class, and it would be like once uh, once a month. Um, but you'd cr- crank a bunch of hours, you'd do a bunch of reading in between, and yeah. you know uh, papers in between, mm-hmm. and uh, so uh, did that for two years. Okay. Um, and then wound up having to transfer to to uh, the school is called Trinity Evangelical Divinity School, okay. in, or Trinity International University, depending upon. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was in Chicago. So I had to transfer there after two years to get the degree I wanted to because yeah. the, the the programs were, were limited as what the chapel. Okay. Offer, so, yeah, but that's how I kind of yeah. got my first job. Yeah. If you will. Yeah. While you were in seminary. Great. Yeah. They paid for seminary. That's so, awesome. Uh, yeah. I want, well, they paid until I left. So yeah, the, yeah, yeah. The vast majority of it, uh, they, they paid for okay. and uh, also gave us a tiny stipend. I mean, it was beans. Yeah, and, yeah. <laughs> and let us live in a, uh, a house that literally got condemned after we moved out. Oh, wow. Uh, so it was like me and three or four other guys in this house that we knew was going to get torn down. So mm-hmm. it was a riot. We did the stupidest, amazing, yeah. <laughs> awesome things uh, because good. it didn't matter. Um, yeah. They were going to tear it down anyway. So <laughs> That's um, cool. But yeah. Yeah. Okay, great. Well, then just moving on, I guess, from there. So you graduate from Trinity Evangelical Divinity. Well right? done, yes. Um, so Tense. so what's when you go to seminary, is do you have like a, is that like a degree that you have? Like what was your official degree? Yep. So my official degree was uh, Master of Arts in Educational Ministry. Okay, cool. Um, at the time, uh, I had been working with high school students and some middle school students. I, it was when you were at the chapel and the residency program, you worked about 25 hours in the okay. ministry. So I was working in the high school ministry. Nice. Uh, I had a phenomenal, um, well, actually a couple of bosses. It was a really large church. So there was two full-time high school pastors. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of worked for both of them. But one of them was my specific uh, supervisor, um, Jody Bowser. And he was uh, phenomenal. Uh, so... Two years uh, working there uh, made me fall in love with high school students, mm-hmm. but I also, because um, I needed a part-time job as well, because they didn't pay barely anything, um, there was an, a Chinese church that met at the chapel. It was called the Akron Christian Chinese Church. Um, their services were all in Chinese, um, but most of the youth in the church, because not a, not a very big church, there were maybe mm-hmm. 120 people, but there was yeah. some kids. They mostly, they often spoke, or and it certainly understood Chinese, but their first language was English. Okay. And so they wanted a youth pastor, a part-time youth pastor, and they wanted somebody that uh, was an English speaker. And mm-hmm. so I'm working at the chapel. They meet at the chapel. Mm-hmm. Um, they actually meet in the chapel of the chapel. And uh, so I wound up being the youth pastor for uh, Akron Christian Chinese Church for two years, okay. which had a number of middle school students. And I just kind of found myself really enjoying middle school. Yeah. Um, so when I went to Chicago to finish my degree, uh, it was just before Brenda and I got married. Okay. And uh, 
Um, there was a church there that the lead pastor was friends with Newt Larson, who had been the lead pastor at the chapel, and he, he kind of got us connected. And um, they had a, uh, a part-time that was going to be moving into a full-time mm-hmm. middle school position. Okay. So uh, I stepped into that. I, I had uh, one semester left to get the degree I needed, um, finished that, came on full-time doing middle school ministry. And my educational ministries degree really kind of wound up being focused on uh middle school and early adolescent development. Okay. And I, I just loved that age. I loved yeah. what was happening uh, socially. Uh, um, some of the, um, oh, I'm not blanking now, uh, developmental psychology and okay. developmental stages. Yeah. And so it's kind of happening during uh, early adolescence when mm-hmm. a kid moves from kind of childhood into adolescence. What are the things yeah. that are taking place within the family? And so just really started kind of geeking out on that and loving, just loving being a, a middle school mm-hmm. youth pastor. Um, so worked at that church for three years mm-hmm. uh, after I was finished with, with seminary. Mm-hmm. Um, God started doing a few things in, in the life of the church as well as in our lives. And um, that's when we wound up moving uh, to Grand Rapids yeah. um, to work at, at uh, a church uh, here called Calvary Church that I worked at for 12 years doing okay. youth and young adult, but started off as the middle school pastor yeah, there. That's Loved awesome. It. Loved it. So was Calvary your last church that you worked at before you planted this church or <laughs> no? I wish. Okay. <laughs> uh, no, 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 I don't wish. Actually, I, I still have phenomenal relationships with uh, tons of people at Calvary. We're yeah. kind of in their back backyard. Um, that's what brought us to Grand Rapids. Yeah. Uh, Twelve years uh, um, working there as middle school ministry, and then uh, young adults, and then overseeing nice. all the student ministries for a while. Um, the lead pastor over there, uh, uh, Jim Samra, is just a, a near and dear, like super close uh, friend. Um, but no, I was there for twelve years, and it was funny. I, when I was uh, at this church in Chicago, it was in the north suburbs called Winneka Winneka Bible Church. And I was there, and um, the reason we wound up um, sensing it was time to leave is uh, there had been a change in leadership, um, and it had been a really rough year. Yeah. Uh, I think I I was the 13th pastor at a medium-sized church, so there weren't a whole lot more. um, 13th staff member, I should say. Um, that either had been fired or resigned um, okay. as, a, as, as when this kind of leadership transition took place. Mm-hmm. And uh, I wasn't fired. We had just knew it was time to, to move on. Yeah. The church wound up splitting right after okay. um, we left, which I was the middle school. I had nothing to do with me. Yeah. <laughs> but um, that's how we kind of realized, like, God was saying, hey, uh, your time here is probably coming to an end. Okay. And so... Um, just before uh, we left, um, Brenda and I were going for a walk. Um, Winneka's not far from, that's right, kind of on Lake Michigan. Mm-hmm. And so we were, you know, six, seven blocks from Lake Michigan. So we would often just walk down and uh, we're talking. And I just said, man, babe, I feel like I have this sense that God's going to ask me to lead a church one day. Mm-hmm. Uh no desire to do that right at the time at all like i was like i love being a youth pastor like i can't imagine doing anything else yeah but i just i had this funny sense that like i don't know where it came from uh just something that i just sensed in my spirit that this that, that i felt like god said one day i'm gonna ask you to do this yeah. part of it was because i wound up having a front row seat to uh to, to kind of a train wreck 
mm-hmm. and um, that didn't scare me or, or, or push me away from the church, even though I saw some really tough stuff. Yeah. Uh, it actually made me think like, I, I want to be part of helping maybe someday for maybe that not to happen. Yeah. You know? So long story short, I wound up at uh, Calvary for 12 years at uh, around 10 years in that, that little, that little sense that I had all of a sudden I felt like God started to say, Hey, uh, I'm starting to tap you on the shoulder. Yeah. So this is a whole nother piece of the story. You probably can edit this out cause it's going to get really long winded, but no, I love it. <laughs> I, uh, I sensed that that was the case. I even went and told, uh, the lead pastor, uh, Jim, who was a good friend of mine. Mm-hmm. Um, we had actually come to Calvary around the same time. Uh, he was an intern for the previous lead pastor who was okay. well loved, well known. Um, and, uh, he went off to Oxford. Um, my, my buddy Jim, uh, to get his PhD came back to be like theologian in residence. And the lead pastor that we both had been serving under, uh, decided that it was time for him to retire. Um, his name was Ed Dobson, a phenomenal, phenomenal guy. And, uh, Ed had, um, ALS, uh, mm-hmm. Lou Gehrig's, what often is called Lou Gehrig's disease. Yeah. And uh, wound up having a, a rare form that was pretty slow, slow growing. So he wound up um, continuing to be a pastor for uh, about a decade uh, after he was diagnosed. And, wow. and, and I think it was about 15, 17 years before he actually passed away. But when Jim came back, uh, Ed decided to resign. The church decided Ed was supposed to be the next senior pastor. Or sorry, Jim was supposed to be the next senior pastor. Yeah. So this is a guy that I had known for the last five years. We were had been good friends in a small group together, uh, about the same age. And so uh, Jim had been the lead pastor for like five years. We're, we're close. And I just had the sense. So I came, went to Jim and I said, hey, man, I think God's doing something. I don't know what it is, but I think I'm supposed to be leading a church somewhere. So there was a church um, here in the area that uh, was going through a transition. They didn't have a senior pastor. Mm -hmm. And Calvary, because it was a large church, um, was helping them with some pulpit supply. Okay. So uh, they asked me to go and teach there once. Uh, Went to this church, taught. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, I think this is it. Yeah. I think this is like, I just had this sense like this is what I'm supposed to be. So I come back. And uh, uh, I'm talking to Jim a little bit about it. And he's like, well, you know, just pray. And so I pray and I, and I feel like God says to me, and I, it's, this, it's probably going to sound weird to most of your listeners. Mm-hmm. It felt weird to me at the time too. But I felt like God say, I know where you're at. I'll come get you when I'm ready. Yeah. And I was like, amen, Lord. Like, that's awesome. Heck yeah. But uh, <laughs> how are they going to know? Like, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. like, shouldn't I put my resume in? Shouldn't yeah. I tell them? Um, and I just sensed that overwhelming, like, I know where you're at, I'll come get you when I'm wow. ready. So I went back and preached another time, like a month or so later. Mm-hmm. They never came and asked me about it. I felt like God didn't give me permission to put my resume in. Yeah. And uh, um, they hired somebody else. And I was like, all right, Lord, like, what's up? Like, I yeah. still love my job. Mm-hmm. I totally loved what I was doing. It's not like mm-hmm. I was, like, ready to just be done and do something else. Yeah. Two years goes by. Wow. And nothing else seems to pop. But uh, a guy that I had uh, um, was one of my students at Cornerstone. I used to teach adjunct uh, mm-hmm. in the Bible department over there. Mm-hmm. Um, heavy on the junk. Uh, <laughs> but mostly so I could find great 
young men and women uh, who are youth ministry majors, and I could ask them to come and serve with me. Yeah. I'm like, I'm your cool prof. Come and help yeah. out. Yeah. Get some experience. <laughs> awesome. So um, one of those uh, guys uh, was a guy named Dave, and Dave uh, had finished his master's, uh, worked with us for five years, and wound up going uh, to work at this church in Holland, Michigan. Okay. Um, uh, great church. Well, they were in the process of looking for a new lead pastor as well. Their lead pastor had left. Um, and I really was like, oh, Lord, I'd love to be able to put my name in there. Mm-hmm. And it was a big church. So I was like, oh, I probably, there's, pro- there's probably no chance I'd get it anyway because I don't have, you know, any like lead pastor experience. Certainly not, you know, at a big church. So I was like, oh, I probably wouldn't get it anyway. But I was like, man, it would be nice. Well, then I found out two of my friends that I knew really well that were both youth pastors at the time uh, had applied for it. Wow. And one of them was a finalist for the position. And I was like, man, Lord, that kind of stinks. Like, how come they get to and you're yeah. not letting me? You know, like I was kind of like, um, but I still sense that that's what God had said. So mm-hmm. then my right-hand guy, uh, his name's Jordan. Okay. Um, he and I had worked together for seven years at that point. Okay. Uh, did everything together. Just worked so well together. Mm-hmm. He comes to me and says, hey, I've been talking to Dave who's at this church out in Holland, yeah. and they had this opening for a worship pastor position, and I think I'm supposed to apply for it. And I was like, son of a gun. Yeah. The guy that I worked with for five years, uh, and also now Jordan, yeah. uh, who I worked with for seven years, they're going to both wind up at this church that yeah. my other friend is now going to probably be the, you know, I'm like, yeah. man, this is not fair. Come on, Lord. Uh, so about three weeks later, uh, I get a phone call. And it's from the executive pastor at that church out in Holland. And he says, um, hey, Torn, um, would, love you, uh, would, would love to have a conversation with you. Would you give me a call? So at this point, I thought that one of the two finalists had been hired. That was my assumption. Yeah. I also thought that he uh, was probably calling about Jordan, who was um, in... Uh, in the interview process with the church, and I knew I was one of his references. So like that's that's probably why he's calling. Yeah. But something inside of me just knew. Without him saying anything, just leave me a voicemail. He's calling me about the position. Yeah. I I, I don't know what I just I knew I called my wife. I said I said, babe, I don't know what this is, mm-hmm. but I just I, I I wonder. I think I think something so call him back. Uh, long story short, he says, hey, uh, we were down to, we had a couple finalists, but um, we just felt like God was saying that n- neither one of them was the one. Your name's come up uh, a number of different times, and I don't have no idea how, because I, you know, don't really have, other than knowing one guy out there. Yeah. Um, so they're like, would you would you be willing to have a conversation with us? And I was like, absolutely. So yeah. wound up there for three years as the teaching pastor. That's awesome. And uh, yeah. That's that was uh, that's how I left Calvary. Yeah, three years there, and uh, then there's a whole another story. With that is great. That is a really cool story, just about God's provision and all of that. And yeah. it's like He has such a greater plan that we could never, yeah, never know. Absolutely. So that's awesome. That's really awesome. Um, so then. Tell us your story. I mean, like, I'm like, just can't wait to get to the story about you um, planting the local yeah, church because I sure. think that mm-hmm. this church has obviously had such a big impact on my roommates go here and mm-hmm. my sister and my brother-in-law. So I'm so excited for you to share yeah. that story. 
Yeah, so um, when I was at this church out in Holland, um, I really thought God brought me out there to be the next lead pastor, but the position was for a teaching pastor. So when I first interviewed with the board, I asked them, I said, why, um, I'm a, I think I'm an okay teacher, but I think I'm probably a, a better leader than I am teacher. And I said, honestly, I'd probably be more interested, because at first I heard teaching pastor and I knew they didn't have a, a lead pastor or senior mm-hmm. pastor or whatever. So I was like, oh, that's just another name for lead pastor or senior pastor. Da, yeah. da, da. Well, then I realized, no, no, this is, they want somebody that's going to be the teacher. And then at some point they're thinking about hiring a lead pastor. And I was like, I don't know why you would do that that way. Usually you want to hire your lead pastor first and let them hire somebody that they feel is going to be a good fit. Yeah. Um, and I said, honestly, I think I'm a better leader than I am a teacher. So I'd really like, I'd rather be interviewing for that position, which is a pretty bold, maybe slightly arrogant, which we'll get to that in a minute, uh, um, thing to say, but I just wanted them to hear my heart and that, that, that's, but I, but I knew God was calling me. And so I just said, I'm here, but just know, I don't, you know, this is, doesn't make a ton of sense. And they agreed. They're like, yeah, it doesn't make a ton of sense. So I we just think we're supposed to do it this way. I was like, okay. I knew God was going to show him. I knew God was going to show them that I'm, I'm supposed to be the, the lead pastor. Yeah. Um, they just probably needed to see, you know, I'm untested. I've never done it before. Da, da, da. Mm-hmm. So a uh, year goes by and um, some just wild things happened. Um, the executive pastor and three of the four other executive team mm-hmm. were fired by the elders. Wow. Yes. Uh, within the first three months of me being there. Had nothing to do with me. Um, it was some stuff that was uh, in kind of the past that kind of came to a head uh, in those first couple months. So within three months, um, Dave, who has been uh, one of the youth pastors, or has been the youth pastor there, who I had worked with for five years at Calvary, mm-hmm. he's now been raised up to overseeing all of family ministries. Uh, Jordan, who wound up getting hired at uh, this church a month before I got there, uh, he is now, um, uh, what's it called? He got a promote. He was promoted, promoted. Uh, <laughs> um, to oversee all of worship arts. Okay. Uh, and I'm as the teaching pastor, basically leading staff, casting vision and kind of really acting like the lead pastor in many ways. Yeah. Cause all these other people were just gone within a couple of months mm-hmm. and people that I knew and have worked with for years that I love and trust have been promoted I'm like okay it's obvious mm-hmm. like you know everybody has to see another guy that had done an internship with me and worked with me for a little while uh got hired I had nothing to do with his hiring mm-hmm. so I'm like oh god's sh-. like how more obvious could it be like I'm supposed to be the lead pastor like yeah. you don't need to keep searching well they come to me and say well we're gonna start a search okay. and I'm like hello <laughs> uh, you can't see it but I'm pointing to myself uh, um and I'm thinking you know like it's gonna be super obvious well I keep hearing that they can't find anybody, they can't find anybody, they can't find anybody, and I'm like, okay, well, you know, even more so, like, you know, yeah. you got, but then they did find somebody, mm. and uh, he was probably 15 years older, with a ton more experience, mm-hmm. and uh, they're, they're like, it's going to be awesome, you know, we've got this young team, and we're going to have this older, you know, and he wasn't yeah. super old, he was like in his, you know, mid-50s, in prime, really, yeah. for, for, uh, and a great guy, mm-hmm. legit great guy. Um, I then had to figure out how to step back from all the things that I was doing mm-hmm. so that he could step into the things that he had been called to do. Yeah. 
he probably would not have hired a teaching pastor. Mm-hmm. Um, he wanted to teach a little bit more. Um, and I, I, was, I used to think I didn't have a lot of pride, mm-hmm. honestly. Uh, I was like, no, I know where my gifts come from. You wouldn't have bet on me when I was in middle school or high school. Mm-hmm. God's just done these things, and it's not because of me. It's just his grace and his goodness and his generosity. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I realized very quickly, it's easy to be humble when you're at the top. Yeah. It's way harder to be humble when you have to step back and let somebody else step into the thing that you feel called to do, that you want to do, that you're passionate to do. Yeah. And all of a sudden I realized uh, I was I was good publicly. Um, I was I was okay privately, and by that I mean like with you know good friends and things like that. Yeah. Uh, internally I was just pretty. It's pretty rotten in there. Yeah. Um, not that I wished harm on, on this guy or anything like that, but it was just like, I was struggling. Yeah. There was a lot more pride inside than I realized. And God needed to root that out if he was going to, that was just part of the what I needed to keep growing. Yeah. Um, so it was a painful, it was a pain. So, and we worked together for the next year and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't always do it perfectly, but on the whole, I did okay. Um, and, uh, after a year and a half, we both realized, man, Torin, God's called you to lead, but this just isn't the place he's going to ask you to do that. Mm-hmm. And so, um, uh, I had to resign, uh, without knowing where I was going to wind up. Yeah. And I had about six months where it was the first time I'd ever had a, posi- uh, ever had, uh, in my adult life, uh, where I was not working full time. Yeah. Um, God came through in some beautiful, amazing ways, uh, super, super generous and gracious to us during that time. Um, but he was doing a work. And I think part of that was because he was, he was preparing me to plant TLC Mm -hmm. and he knew, uh, there's some internal stuff I needed to deal with that I didn't even know was there. And so in his grace, it was one of the most painful, uh, probably year and a half of my Mm -hmm. uh, adult working life. Uh, and I had been through in some, you know, not always perfect spots, but yeah. this was easily by far. Um, but I would go back and do it all over again, even knowing how it was going to go. Mm-hmm. Because I just saw God in some really amazing ways during that time. So um, <clears throat> the reason I even shared that story, yeah. uh, one is just because I think for, for us to plant TLC, there were still a lot of things God is doing and, and still doing in my life now. Yeah. I've not arrived. Oh my goodness. If you hang out with me, your <laughs> sister can tell you. And she knows me from a, from a bit of a distance, but through my wife, um, I've not arrived. I've got a lot to still grow into mm. for sure. Uh, and I'm grateful that God's not given up on me. He's not done with me. Yeah. But while I was there, um, the pastor that, that they brought in, uh, he had a passion for church planting. Mm. Now, he and I might have a little bit of a different philosophy on how we'd like to see go about making that happen, but it was his passion for church planting that really got me thinking about it like in a real way. Yeah. Um, I never thought I was going to plant the church. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm good in some areas, and I'm really bad in a lot of other areas. And so I, uh, I didn't grow up in a large church, mm-hmm. but for whatever reason, God placed me to serve in large churches. One of the nice things about a large church, there's a lot of drawbacks, but yeah. one of the one of the nice things about it is 
in a large church, you often have a large, you can have a larger staff that has a greater diversity of giftings. Yeah. And so you get to kind of operate more out of your strengths and not as much out of your weaknesses. Small churches, you got to do it all. Yeah. And I'm at this point, like I'm 41, I think, 42. And I should be way smarter than to be planting a church at 42. Like I'm old enough to know better. Uh, church planting is hard, yeah. hard work, um, and you kind of have to do a bunch of different things uh, and stuff that you're not always really good at. But because of the this guy's passion for church planting, I started to get a passion for church planting. Mm-hmm. And uh, even though we didn't wind up planting a church out of that church, um, uh, there was another church in the area that had a vision for it and uh, came on staff with them for about a year and a half and mm-hmm. um, was able to help out with some things while we were preparing. and. Um, and then I called up Jordan, who was still on staff at, at the church that, that we were at together. And I said, hey, man, uh, we've done ministry now. At that point, it had been 12 years. Yeah. So a long time, uh, over a decade at least at that point. And I said, would you would you consider possibly leaving this great ministry that you're a part of <laughs> yeah. and take a risk uh, to plant the church with me? Mm-hmm. And uh, he said no. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and then I dropped the uh, the wild card, the ace in the hole. Uh, well, would you pray about it? <laughs> yeah, the classic. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he and his wife did. They prayed about it over the next probably about four or five months. And okay. God just started to actually grow his heart more and more for the idea. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, we uh, we prayed about a few different areas. Um, we love Grand Rapids. And the, honestly, the big reason I wanted to plant the church in Grand Rapids was because I had been a youth pastor here for 12 years. And a lot of my students were now, mm-hmm. you know, in college, out of college, starting careers, yeah. some of them getting married, some of them starting families. And I saw a number of them that had started to drift away from the church. And just, I think, mm-hmm. honestly, was asking, like, does the church even know the questions I'm asking? Is the church even willing to have conversations about the questions that, that, that I'm dealing with? Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of them were saying, like, I don't, I'm not sure the church is all that relevant to my life anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and and this was a good church and a lot of good churches in Grand Rapids. And so I was just like, Lord, I feel like there's a church that needs to, I feel like you need more churches that are going to go after that next generation. So mm-hmm. we prayed about uh, Grand Rapids and Lansing, spent a couple of days in Lansing, spent a couple okay. of days in Detroit, spent a couple of days in Tampa, Florida. Wow. Um, and that was in February. And I was like, Lord, your servant is willing to go yeah. to Tampa, <laughs> at least in February for sure. Yes. Um, but all along, we really hoped that God would call us back to Grand Rapids. Okay. Uh, Grand Rapids is, a, is an area that continues to grow. Um, and so we need more churches planted. And uh, um, new churches are best at reaching the next generation. They're best at reaching unchurched and dechurched. Yeah. Uh, they're best at reaching uh, new transplants to an area. Um, church planting helps revitalize the existing church in an area. Uh, and church planting is one of the best ways to, to raise up young leaders and new yeah. leaders. And so we just said, God, if you'd let us, um, we'd love to come back and do that. And God's been so, so, so gracious to let us. Um, and, and he's been gracious to give us what we've asked for. Mm-hmm. So about eight, last time we did our survey, which was last December, um, 80% of our church is under the age of 35. Oh, wow. Um, the, the year before, 85% of our church is under the age of 35. So we've actually mm-hmm. gotten a little bit older, which is a good thing because we're like, Lord, we need we yeah. need some older folks like me that yeah. <laughs> can actually model to the next generation yeah. what it looks like to 
you know, raise families and, you know, be in your 40s and 50s and 60s. And um, we just need it. So God's been gracious to do that. Yeah, so. that's an amazing story. Thank you so much Super for sharing. Long. I'm so sorry. That no, I, my I, gosh, I, please don't apologize. I, I'm i keeping everything in because that <laughs> was incredible. I'll put some folks to sleep and just put a little brown, <laughs> brown noise underneath and be great. <laughs> no, that was great. Um, so I'm going to ask you two more questions. So yeah. first question. Um, what are, what's your favorite part and least favorite part about being a lead pastor um, of a church? (sighs) Favorite part and least favorite part of being a lead pastor. It's hard to put it into, into one or one or two things. Yeah. Um, I will say I always knew, and I had a taste of it when I was, um, being the teaching pastor at this church in Holland. Mm -hmm. Uh, and we didn't have a lead pastor at the time. I felt the the weight of that to an extent, but not fully. And so I think the hardest part is honestly there. There's just a there's just an, a, a ge- genuine spiritual weight that a, that a lead pastor carries mm-hmm. that I never f- carried before. Yeah. Um, in my other, you know, when I was a discipleship pastor or student ministries pastor or young adults, but I just I never carried that weight. Um, I I love it. It's a privilege. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not upset about it, but but it's it's real. Um, leaders are bridges. Yeah. Uh, if I ever write a book, I'll probably have something about that. This in there. Leaders are bridges. Bridges get walked on a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and bridges bear a lot of weight. Yeah. And uh, especially during the pandemic and the social unrest, uh, some of the yeah. racial tensions. Yeah. Um, the you you feel that. Uh, as you're trying to shepherd um, a diverse uh, group of people and um, America and the kingdom of God are yeah. often at odds. And, Very um, often. <laughs> we don't realize how much our uh, Christianity gets intertwined with our um, uh, being Western uh, Americans and things we expect. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, helping people um, untangle some of that and say, like, look, that's, this is... The kingdom's better. It's greater. You don't actually want mm-hmm. what you think you want, but um, there's a weight that comes with that. The best thing about it, um, I mean, it's this. I, I just love so many things about my job. But for me, it's yeah. the team that I get to work with. Oh, that's uh, great. I love being a lead pastor at a church plant because mm-hmm. I I have the privilege and responsibility uh, of rate of creating the culture from the ground up. Yeah. And man, that's a that's an, that's an awesome thing to be able to do it yeah. really is um it's a such a privilege and yeah i think a lot of that is like hey what kind of church would i want to invite my friends to and what yeah. kind of church would i want my kids to want to come to and so trying to think through that um mm-hmm. is a yeah it's a real privilege just leadership is it's a blast and a privilege i yeah i still feel like one of the water i love yeah, it yeah that's awesome i feel like i could have a whole episode on church culture i think it's oh. just such an interesting oh. topic and i don't know if you're familiar with um the podcast series that christianity today the did. rise and fall yeah, rise and oh, fall. yeah. so i'm like i as soon as you ah, said that so church culture that yeah to, i'm like so maybe we'll i'll, I'll have you on again oh, sometime because yeah. that I just I, think that church culture is such a key component. It really is. Especially with what you talked about in your disadvantage, or your, mm-hmm. not disadvantage, but your kind of harder part of being a lead pastor. Mm-hmm. That culture um, aspect is can make or break, really. Absolutely. And there's, yeah, I, I'd love to, I, I'd, I'd love you to do a podcast and invite me on, uh, okay. even if it's with a panel, to talk about 
the uh, the rise and fall effect actually. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because it's been pretty uh, within within Christian circles, it's been pretty ubiquitous. Uh, the, like, there's a lot of folks that have listened to it. Yeah. And uh, it has uh, raised some absolutely necessary flags for yeah. the church and leadership and uh, lay leaders to pay attention to and to call out. And it's also, in some ways, made leading a church, period, a crap ton harder. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so, I, 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 yeah, there's, there, I, I, yeah, because I've listened to the whole thing mm-hmm. and even the all, most, I think, all the bonus episodes. Yep. It's just been really interesting to process it. Yeah. Um, yeah, you got my mind like stirring. I'm like, I gotta, we gotta talk about this, get a panel yeah, going. Yeah, I don't I, know. I'm, I'm, I'm down. Okay, I'm that, down. that might be a future Cause, thing. Because, 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 uh, Failure porn. I don't know if that's a real. If anybody else calls it that, but that's what that's what it is in some ways. It's yeah. failure porn. Like, ooh, I can't wait to hear like about yes. that. Yes. And and I yep. think that there is such a. It, it's it's it, it really fits well with our kind of the 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 political moment. Yeah. But and, and and there's real value in, in having uh, in raising things to light that need to be brought to light. Okay. Yeah. We, but. Um, there could also be some downsides uh, mm-hmm. to that as well. Um, why people tune in and what it creates, but yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Okay, well, my wheels are turning, so that might be in the future. <laughs> I don't know. Um, my last question, which I actually ask, kind of in this new era of my podcast, I always ask everyone kind of the same question about their profession. So, mm-hmm. what is your biggest piece of advice for someone wanting to go into ministry? Um, or even specifically planting a church or being a lead mm. pastor, just what what is a piece of advice that maybe you've been given or that you'd like to give? Um, so I, I probably give this piece of advice to a, about a thousand different questions. But honestly, I would say the most important thing is just fall in love with Jesus. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't mean that in, in like a... I'm 48. I've been following Jesus pretty, pretty like going after him since I was 16. So, I mean, that's like 32 years now. Mm-hmm. My, my love for Jesus is it's the same, but it's wildly different. Just like my love for my wife from when mm-hmm. we first were dating to now almost 23 years, uh, almost 24 years later of marriage uh, is, is wildly different. Mm-hmm. Um, it's better. It's deeper. Uh, so I guess I, maybe not fall in love with Jesus, but, 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 um, uh, what's, what's the word, uh, pursue the yeah. growing love relationship. So pay attention to your soul. Mm-hmm. Um, man, the best thing that, 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 uh, God was super gracious to give to me. I've had a mentor for the last 22 years now yeah. that I've met with. He's like 30 years older than me. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I was in my 20s. He was in his 50s. Now I'm almost 50, and he's almost 80. Yeah. And uh, he has been um, Jesus with skin on mm-hmm. uh, for me so many times. Yeah. He's walked with so many different things, you know, from different churches, uh, you know, for kids, uh, my own failings and places to mm-hmm. grow. And um, that's not something you can just orchestrate. 
Um, but I would say, man, find somebody that is, you know, that mentor, somebody that's helping build your soul. And that's what, mm-hmm. that's what my mentor has, has done. So, yeah, that's awesome. That's great advice. Uh, Torin, thank you so much for coming on this podcast. I so feel fun, like man. I could do like another three episodes with, <laughs> with you, which I don't say about everyone. So that, um, this was so great and a needed conversation. Uh, I'm excited yes. for my listeners to get to hear your story. It's a privilege. It really is. Yeah. Um, so you can check out Torin's socials at Torrin Scott um, and if you want to check out more about local church which I definitely suggest you do especially if you're in Grand Rapids you can go to their website at localchurchgr.org um, and if you want to check out more about my podcast you can follow me on Instagram at the Maddie Miller Show or check out my website maddiemiller.co um, but thank you so much Torin for being on and we'll see everyone next week I was like, I shouldn't have worn this hat. (laughs) Pastor has a brother that played basketball at Michigan to the time that we just smoked you. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know. I I get flack for wearing this hat all the time, but I'm like, I have to just show my roots. That's I can't right. be ashamed of them. So well, and the this is my favorite hat. Ohio so been smoking Michigan, at least in football, for most yes. of the years in the last two decades. Exactly. Exactly.